0: Welcome back, Coop. Zach, I've seen you, that you've healed. <laughs> healed? What do you mean? Oh, you don't remember? A uh, couple, maybe months ago. That was. You if you you're talking about the, what I think, you're talking about. It's months ago. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, I'm, you you made a superb recovery. Are you talking about my hives? Yes. That's wrong. What? Yeah, no, yeah really I, I figured ago. this is the best platform to bring them up. All Anyways, right. I'll, I'll tell the story for the listeners. Okay, listeners. Recently, and by recently mean, I mean a couple but months. August. ago. August. Yeah. It's December. Yeah. I mean, I'm Merry past Christmas. This. I've grown up. Yeah. You've made a, I mean, a sensational recovery. I have. I look great. You look better than before. Um, but anyways, we moved into a new house. For that the university had built so kindly for us. We did just for us. Yeah. <laughs> they built us real. a studio and everything with our. Yeah, it's really nice. It's really cool what they did. They built us a studio with beds and dressers. And well, we moved the it. beds in. It was like a studio and we're like, oh, let's sleep in here. It's so kind. We want to you. be like Drake and all the other crazy artists that right. sleep in their studios. It's so cool. Anyway, we're getting caught in the weeds. Um, Zach had hives. And so there was some very fine powdery dust yeah. that was left on the top of the ceiling fan. Mm. So that as we would sleep, the famine would go on and it would rain down like cyanitic poison <laughs> into Zach's body. I don't know if cyanitic is the right word, but it was it like that, right? It was so gross. just imagine sleeping with little demon elves dripping poison on your body all night long. That is the reality that Zach lived in for two full nights. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Remember it. Just to describe the hives, they were disgusting. I mean, they were they all were. over his body, every nook yeah. and crevice and cranny probably. Mm. They were like raised and bumpy and red. They were on his scalp. Looked like they were coming up his neck, like onto his face. Right. I mean it was just all right. that's enough. Any hoosies. Yeah. They were bad. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. They were they were it. bad. Um we didn't know what was causing it. No. So, Zach, one day, like during work, I think goes to the ER. What, where did you go? I went to urgent D- tell the story. Yeah, I went to urgent care first. Okay. And they put three shots in my behind. Yes. That's and, bumper for all you can't kind of cut campers <laughs> yes, out there. That's right. And it kind of went down a little bit. And it, well, it went down for a minute. Yeah. But then one of them apparently was a Benadryl shot. Mm. And so, my that grandmother Benny. actually drove me home. I I don't remember the drive. You like, fell asleep in the car. I fell asleep right as and I walked in and just laid on my bed. I don't even remember my grandma leaving yes. Anything, but so I'm asleep in my bed. Wake up at and the, I te- Just I texted Zach. Like he told me he was going to the yard. ER. I was like, dude, do you want me to come? Are they not the yard? ER, urgent care. Yeah. I was like, you want me to come with you? He's like, nah, bro. Like I'm fine. Right. I just I, have I mean, to go. I, I was fine. Yeah. Itchy. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't fine. Anyway, but, I I get back and I'm asleep and then later. It's kind of, you walk into our room or our studio and you're like, man, it's hot in here. I'm going to turn on the fan to help my boy out. You were, I was like, you were sleeping in the bed. And and I want you to know I don't appreciate that. Well, little did we know. We didn't know at the time. I thought I was trying to help you out. I know you're just throwing the cyanotic poison on right. me. Again. Little demon elves I was releasing them, you uncaging were, them, unlocking the key that was holding knowing. back the darkness, but we've reconciled since and yes. and so they come back again. Yes. But I had slept through the whole day and at this point while wow, when I wake up from them being back, it's 2:30 in the morning. Yeah. And you're up studying. I was <laughs> dude, yeah, I was uh, I was studying for um I was like finishing homework and I had an exam. Like I had a lot due the right. next day. I had my accounting exam and then also I had an assignment due for one of my classes that right. I was in. And I just see Zach, like he like gets up, goes to the couch. He's like, I just can't fall asleep. And he looks bad. Like I described it earlier. And so I just start packing up my homework. I hop in the shower, shower, and then come out. And he's like, dude, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm going to do, man. I'm like, oh, like I'm taking you to the the ER. Right. He's so like, what? Started, no, I'm like, I'm no, good, man. Oh no, no. And then as we are like discussing this, three of our roommates come from upstairs, Seth, Josh, and Caleb. They're like, hey, we're going to get McChickens. And we're like. You're doing what? Also, shout out Seth, Josh, and Caleb, our three roommates. Yeah, roommates. They all live with us. They do. And we're like, what? Make chickens? It's two thirty in the morning. I, I feel like I'm about to die because when I first saw him, I was he's like, wearing, but Zach's wearing like a hoodie fully covered. Yeah, they didn't. They couldn't really tell what I was. What was happening to my my bod? Yes, but it was pretty bad. So we go to the the ER. Yep. You gracefully take me take me there. Yeah, and I'm I'm cooking down the highway at ER. a responsible speed. Right, as fast as that little. Toaster Kia Soul can go. Shout out Kia Soul. Shout out Kia. Can we get a sponsor on that? this or that? This or you can get with this. Yeah, like, no one pays attention to commercial. It's the hamster commercial. commercial. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we get there, and what do we see in the ER, dude? We see a, I mean, a circus of diseases. Oh my, have goodness. just paraded in. No disrespect to the people. They no, were just not at all. They were they were just housing like, the plagues that I, each of them had. Just had. as me, I had no control over what correct. was correct. Let's. Whoa. I mean, let's. I'll just start. Zach and I were sitting hmm. to our left. There were two girls there together yeah um and one of them was holding a trash bag mm. they were both in their jam jams yeah and <laughs> Pu- I mean, puking badly and not her trash just bag. puking loud, M- letting us know they were. Puking. We're not going to make the sound in case you're sensitive, but I mean, Ugh. it was like loud puking. You hear yes. it hitting the bag. It's Ugh. just it was like sloshing in the bag. It was bad. And then to our left, we have a lady. That was our left to our right. Oh, to our right. So, yes, to our right. We have a lady who is very pregnant. Yep. Very pregnant. But she also has something like an ankle brace on, like something's wrong with her ankle. Right. And she has a walker. Yes. And so she's sitting in the chair, uncomfortable, one, because she's pregnant and two, leaning on the, the walker, just like moaning in pain. Yes. And so we're sitting in between these two And there's, an- there's another, her husband or, or her, like the guy that was with her is asleep. Yes. His neck is supported on the back of the chair, but separating his head from the chair is a diaper. Yes, he was oh, sleeping he, on a yes. diaper. Yeah, I forgot about that. His pillow was a diaper. Yes. dude. oh, it was so gross. It was. I think it was clean. I sure hope it was. It was funny because there was the whole thing was weird. Like there was the the TV was playing, but it was playing like only like thirty minute commercials, it's like yeah. long yeah, yeah, commercials yeah. for like copper loudly. Or something, yeah. So it was like you'd hear puking, snoring, moaning. And Brett and, Favre, and trying yes, to sell you selling something. you yeah. some Levi's, yeah, uh, Wranglers, Wranglers, Wranglers. Sorry, yes, and, and Brett Favre selling you some Wranglers, yes. And and it was a funny. We were the last on the list, right? Oh gosh, because I I wasn't making any noises. I wasn't making my presence known, right? But then when I took my hood off, we. It's funny because we got back there, and I take my hood off, and the doctor was like, "Oh my gosh," yeah, she was like, um. I kind of like did like a panic type in the computer, you know. Yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah, that's what I've been sitting out here with, woman. But anyway, we get back in there, they give me another steroid shot, and it just disappears. Yeah, I don't know what happened. We get home, I fall asleep, I wake back up, and I'm fine. Yeah. I I leave. For well, two no, no, days. no, you didn't sleep here. You slept. Yeah, Connor slept, slept at Connor Lanham and Ryan Michaels' house. house. Shout out to those two. That's right. And I slept there, and then came back and felt fine. Yeah, crazy. I know crazy night. The doctor was cool, though. Yeah, he actually was cool. William. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> anyway, job. welcome to the Next Generation Leader Podcast, where we believe great leaders are listeners, especially during their youth. Good leaders learn from their successes and mistakes, but great leaders learn from the successes and mistakes of those who go before them. I'm your host, Zach Funderburg, here with my co-host, Coop McCullough. How we doing, Coop? I'm doing fantastic. And let me just say, you look remarkable. I mean, your skin is just made of full recovery, Zach. Thank right? you. I'm back. I'm back and better than ever. But what else is back is the the podcast. Yep. We've got another great episode. It's another beautiful Monday here in the Ozarks. <sighs> Smell the roses, baby. And by Ozarks, you mean? Dallas, Texas. Yes. It's just not as pretty. Anyway, today we've got Chuck Anderson. What a guy. Just the name that makes you want to go, Chuck Anderson. His name's Chuck. You just want to say his name, Chuck Anderson. And you just want him to walk in. Tall, lanky dude. Cowboy hat. Some straw in his mouth. Yep. Just a good old boy. The guy that can spit in a barrel from 10 yards. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Chuck. And he did not disappoint. He does real estate here in Dallas with uh, Bandera Ventures. We don't know, just to clarify, what his spit spit range yeah, is. Yeah, he didn't show us. But <laughs> that's not the part where we he did this point. Anyways. Anyways, he does real estate here in Dallas, goes to church with us. We got connected with him and we talked to him about stewardship. Mm. And we talked to him about this because not only just money, but resources, talents, anything that God has gifted you with, we wanted to know how to steward it well. And it came from a, a message I was listening to by Andy Stanley, where he was telling a story of shout out, of, Andy Stanley, shout out. If I mean, if you're hearing this, come on, Andy, help us out. What do you say? But he's telling a story about Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel, and and the message that God was trying to teach him was that leadership is is a stewardship. Yeah. It's temporary, and you're accountable. And that just word, those words just sunk in. And I've never forgot them. Mm-hmm. And I think about it a lot. And I was like, what does it really mean for leadership to be a stewardship? So I was like, why not ask Chuck? So I got to sit down with him and talk about stewardship yeah. and what it looks like to steward things well and steward things that it's not yours. Eventually, I mean, you don't, uh, a U-Haul doesn't follow you to heaven, right? you know? And, and so you can't take it with you. So how are, how do you steward it well while you're on earth to live it up, but also to live for others? Yeah. I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited to hear what he has to say, and I'll probably be convicted in some areas. Oh, I was. It's a good one. Here he is, Mr. Chuck Anderson. Chuck Anderson. Well, Chuck, thank you so much for being with us and and being willing to sit down and just share some of your wisdom that you've learned throughout the years. I want to start by just asking you to introduce yourself, who you are, how did you get to where you are today? Got it. Well, uh, my name's Chuck Anderson. I'm a commercial
1: real estate developer. I spent 16 years with the Trammell Crow Company, which at the time was the largest real estate development company in the world. And then in uh, 2002, actually, in August, we left Trammell Crow Company and started what's now Bandera Ventures. So I've worked with my two partners, Tom Leiser and Pryor Blackwell, for the last 33 years. Mm Uh, it's just been a true blessing. We've had a lot of fun. And so we build office buildings and warehouses and buy office buildings and build data centers and surgery centers and all sorts of fun stuff. Well, that's amazing. How did you get into real estate? What did it look like to, to find this area of, of expertise? It was a little bit of happen, happenstance for me. I was in the corporate finance department of Citicorp doing investment banking. Uh, for about a year and a bunch of my buddies were in commercial real estate it appeared to me that they were working half as hard and making more money than i was so i figured i'll just have to go get some of that easy money and that was in 1985 and I took a job, went from Citicorp to a group called Criswell Development Company. And then a year later, I got a job with the Trammell Co. Company and stayed there for almost uh, 16 and a half years. Wow.
0: That's awesome. And we, we actually, we go to the same church. We're a brother at Watermark. That's kind of how we were connected. So I kind of want to start by asking you what it looks sure. like for you working in the secular business world to apply your faith and, and your belief system into everything that you do. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's
1: a great question. I think the reality is everybody ought to do that, right? I mean, I didn't become a believer till I was 37 years old. I a guy named John Mazel who founded East West Ministries led me to Christ uh, through a Bible study a bunch of my friends had invited me to and they actually invited me to it five years before and then I had a uh, an issue with cancer in uh, 1998 and uh, these guys invited me to the Bible study again and so John leads me to Christ and I was. Um, you know, it, it was an amazing uh, opportunity for me. It was almost like the scales fell off my eyes. And so I was going to quit my job at Trammell Crow Company. I was going to go uh, be in the ministry. I was going to go be a missionary somewhere. And uh, John was, you know, I told John my plans. And as only John can do, John started laughing at me, right? And he said, Look, man, he goes, Everybody's got a platform. You already have a ministry. You just haven't been utilizing it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing that I've tried to do, you know, over the last, you know, 21 years, is I have this platform of people that I meet with. I meet with between 100 and 150. 50 young people every year uh, they want to get in the real estate business they want to know what i do they want some connections all those kind of things and i love giving them to him to them and then i get an opportunity to share christ with them so i get to ask them a real simple question i said if you died today what happens to you which is the same thing john asked me you know 21 years ago and uh skip ryan who's a park city's uh pres pastor asked me the same thing and um, so that, that's that's for me. I, I I don't think there's a separation, right? So my right. job uh, as a, as a business person is really my job as as a minister as well, and and a you know a pastor in a certain sense, right? So you know God has given me this platform and given you guys a platform and really given everybody listening to this thing a platform. And the question right. is, are you going to use it or not? Right. right. So we all have this platform. And how are you going? How are you going to use the thing? And that's what's just been a blessing to me. And what happens to me is I, somehow all these young guys and girls find me, right? right? And I don't know how that happens. I think it's really God's hand kind of pushing kids here and I get to share with them about the real estate business what we do how we do it how you get in the business what 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 attributes you need and then I get a chance to share Jesus with them which is mm-hmm. one of the most favorite things I I've, I've, I've ever done yeah. and you know I ask a question I'm sure uh, half the kids leave and think I'm crazy uh, and you know the other half hopefully I can encourage a little bit and really kind of just really kind of get them to question what they believe because a buddy of mine Carlos Sepoldova uh, has often said that even most young people know what they stand for, they just don't really know what they stand on. And what I try to do is say, well, what do you really stand on? Why are you for this or for that or not against that or not against something else? And it's really kind of what's, what's the rock with which you stand on? Right. And uh, I think most of the young kids today don't really ha- don't really understand what that rock is they stand on. So I get a chance to share Jesus with them and uh, hopefully encourage them to say, hey, you need to check this
0: Jesus guy out because if he, if he is who he said he was, then you need to follow him. Right. That's amazing. It leads right into what we want to talk about today and the fact that leadership and most of leadership is a stewardship. Mm-hmm. And it's what you've been given and how you use it. And, yeah. and you've been given a platform, you've been given resources in this business of real estate. And you're you're pushed by God to how are you going to use this for, for my benefit rather than your own? And so I kind of broke it up into leadership of resources, leadership of time, and leadership of people. And I want to get the chance to ask you about each. But to you, in your line of work, what is stewardship? What does stewardship mean? And what does it look like to be a steward as a leader? Yeah, well, I mean, I think God calls us to be excellent in everything we do, right? So mm-hmm. that means
1: first you have to be excellent at your profession. And I think with with the excellent excellence in your profession, that gives you a platform that uh, maybe other people don't have. So the stewardship part really comes in and knowing that, hey, you have this platform. You are you're a businessman, but you're also a follower of Christ. And having that platform where I've got people that want to come see me. So for me, it's it's great because everybody that comes to see me wants something from me. Mm-hmm. So they want advice. They want opportunities. They want contacts. They want, hey, what should I do? And, you know, I'm happy to give it to them. But then I just say at the end, I said, well, I just have one simple question for you. I and mean, if you die today, do you know you go to heaven or not? Right. And then that opens up a big conversation about, you know, what does that mean? Is there a heaven? Is there a hell? Uh, who is Jesus and it, who did he say he was? And and then the, for me, it's the challenge. If I try to push him towards the porch at Watermark and say, hey, you need to go hang out with some people that know know this Jesus guy. Come back and see me if you want to. I give him books, you know, JP's, you know, book on adulting. Yeah, I've got yeah, a whole yeah. stack of those in my office and, uh, you know, try to point him towards a church, whether that be Watermark or another one. Uh, and just, you know, again, it, it's all about having this platform. And then using it for God's glory as well as my own, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, we want to be successful because we're called to be excellent. But in being excellent, gives us opportunities to share share Christ with a lot of people who otherwise, you know, you know, not a lot of guys are going to sit down and talk to Todd Wagner. Right. But there's a lot of young kids that come and talk to me, and and I got to have a very frank conversation with them. And frankly, I got a little bit of a bully pulpit because yeah. they want something from me, happy to give it to them, uh, and then I get an opportunity to uh, tell them what I
0: want to talk about. Yeah, that's amazing. Talk about being excellent. What it looks like for you and your your department and your line of work to be excellent or to be the best at what you have or what you're doing. Well,
1: I mean, it, it starts first and foremost with the kind of who are you working for, right? So you got to realize that this isn't our business. It's God's business. Uh, and so we're all working for Him no matter what we do. It talks a lot about that in the Bible, right? Where no matter what you're doing, do it, do it all for the glory of God. And so if you realize that, then it's like, well, how can I be excellent, right? Excellent means you need to be really good at your craft. You need to know what you're talking about. You need to be successful, uh, however the world defines success, because as the world defines success allows you to have, again, this bigger platform, if you will. So um, it's... You know, when you do your job, do it really well. Right. And so whatever you're going to do, just be excellent. And so if you want to win, really win. And I'm a very competitive person. I love to compete on deals, on transactions, buying buildings, selling buildings, leasing space. I mean, that that's that's what kind of gets my juices going. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and I think if you do that with excellent, you do it with integrity. So I tell young guys all the time, I said, there's four things you really got to do. You got to work. You got to have high integrity. You got to have high morals. You got to create relationships with people and then you got to tell them about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And the last part kind of freaks everybody out. Like, right. oh, wow, I really got to do that. And the reality is, if, if you do those first three things right and you have a relationship with somebody, even though if they don't know Jesus or they've never heard of him, they're going to allow you to withdraw from that trust account and say, hey, I want to tell you about what I believe and why I believe it. And so that's why I think it's so important to be excellent at what you do. Again, the integrity, the morals, and then the relationship stuff. We all create relationships. We all have people we know uh, who need Christ. Really everybody we know needs Jesus, right? So mm-hmm. how can we have this great uh you know, this great thing that we know about Christ and then
0: know it will save people and not tell them about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And you talked in there about winning and like what it mm-hmm. looks like to win. And I think a lot of times it's like, I'm afraid to to pursue winning or to be competitive yeah. in what I'm doing because and that may not be, say, Christ like. Mm-hmm. So what would you tell that person that's kind of afraid to be competitive well, I mean, I, I mean, I think it's perspective, right? When we're
1: called to be excellent, that means excellent in everything we do. So I'm going to be excellent in my work, and excellent in my work is judged by: do we win or not? Did we right. get that transaction? Did we get that tenant in our building? Did we, you know, sell that building for as much money as we could sell it for? Again, all the time having the integrity and the moral piece playing there mm-hmm. as well, right? So I don't want to do anything that's underhanded. I don't want to do anything that people will construe as um, illegal or not right or disingenuous or dishonest. But you know, I want to know. Th- I want guys to know that I mean, If we're gonna we're gonna go play on the football field, I'm gonna strap my helmet on, I'm gonna play, right, right, and I wanna play really hard because I wanna win. And then the, you gotta win with with graciousness too, right? So it's winning, but not not the gloating part. So you're winning because that's what we do in order for us to make money. We've got to win at what we do, and if we if we win, then we have success and it gives us again a bigger platform and more money to give and all those kind of things that uh, I think come with you know being excellent. But but I would tell every young guy, I would never be afraid of being excellent, never be afraid of being. Competitive. Competitive. In fact, some of the most competitive guys I know are guys that love Jesus. Really, right. you know, a whole bunch. And uh, I, I think competitiveness is just part of a part of life, right? right. I mean, you got to go compete. And when you just high integrity, high morals, relationships, and then it's the Jesus piece. And, and and being that ex and being excellent allows
0: you to have that platform to do that. Right. And as you gain, as you win, you gain that platform. As the platform gets bigger and bigger, it's more to steward. So that's what we want to talk about. Is yeah. the, the first point is how does the leader best uh, or more most effective Steward their resources because yeah. once you win, the resources come in. Whether it's money, whether it's a home, whether it's just material items, how do yeah. you steward those things well? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think, I mean, that's that's a hard thing to do sometimes,
1: right? Because you know, how much is too much, mm. and uh, so I think, I think for me, and I think for most people, the fact that I struggle with how much do I keep and how much do I give, I think that struggle is really where you want to be. If it's just an easy decision, oh, I just go do this, right, or I'm going to go buy that, and there's no struggle between. Do I do that or not? I think that's that's the real issue. Is really struggling, and then then I think you have to be um, cognizant of you know it's really God's money, God's given you. Every all the all the excellence that I, that I purport to have, or someone may say that I have, is really from God. So it's really. Um, you know, it's cliche to say, hey, it's all his money. But in the end, it's really all his money. And and, and I think if you're not struggling with how much money you're uh, giving away or how much money you're keeping, I think that's the real problem. And I think a lot of times you'll see that is that you'll see guys that they'll make a whole bunch of money. And say, like, oh, I got to buy a new car. I got to right. buy a new house. And, and 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 buying a new car, new houses, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't. Th- it's really the love of money that gets you in trouble, not money. But it's really, um, it's the struggle with, should I do this? And that's where, you know, having community is surrounding you when you're buying a new house, buying a new car, but really buying anything or really doing anything with money is, are there guys around you that will say, hey, that's You shouldn't be doing that, and you're a knucklehead for doing it. Or you know, what are you thinking of? You know, doing that thing. And again, uh, it's that struggle. That if you see people struggling, I think that's a really good thing. And if they're not struggling, it's just like, well, I made a bunch of money, so yeah, I'm just take a little bit. I'm gonna go buy a new car and a new house and Mm -hmm. all those kind of all the new toys. Uh, I think that's when you when you really have a
0: problem if you're not struggling with what kind of really everything you're doing as it relates to money. Right. Talk about your home as well. How, like you say, you and your wife uh, steward your home of having people in or, yeah. or bringing people in and, and being able to to steward that well. I mean, why should we have this big house and we have available
1: rooms for people to sleep in and we're not allowing people to be there. So uh, we have a, a great young lady, Emily Bradbury, who lives in our back house now. She works at Watermark. She was a resident uh, in the residency program and now she works for, with the kindergarten kids on uh, Saturdays. So mm-hmm. for us, it's a real, um, it's a blessing to be able to help in just a small way. Uh, but get Again, because you have that place and you have that uh, ability to, to use it, you should use it. And that's kind of the, the, the way that Kim and I do it. I mean I mean we have other rooms in our house that we don't don't let people yeah. use. So I'm I'm not, I'm not a perfect person at it, but but I think that's a really small way to kinda of utilize kind of our home
0: and then just kind of loving on people when they're at our house. That's amazing. I love that. So the next part I wanna hit is how does a leader effectively steward their time? We've been uh, given a certain amount of time on this earth, we wanna do it well, we wanna maximize every moment, but in a growing world of distraction uh, with social media, with the internet, with everything that is just clouding our focus yeah. of, of the goal, what we want to get. How does a leader, how does just a, a person best effectively uh, steward their
1: time? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's really hard because you're right. I mean, you know, 30 years ago when I first got out of college, cell phones were just kind of the new thing, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's turned into, if you don't have your cell phone within five feet of you, I mean, you just go crazy. And if right. it buzzes, you, you cannot not pick it up and you have to respond to somebody right away. And you know, that's just not very relational, right? I mean the thing that, that drives me crazy is when you go to a restaurant and you'll see four people eating and all four people are on their phone. And, um, I, I think that's a real tragedy, you know, in, in, in our society today. But I mean, from a time perspective for me, that's, I like to carve out, like I talked about before these meetings with, with young guys, right? I mean, I really feel like God has put that on my heart. He's given me this platform that these young guys somehow want to come talk to me about the real estate business. Mm-hmm. And that's, I, I kind of take all comers. So if some guy can, you know, no matter how he gets to me, if he wants to come meet with me and I can share with him some things, I'm going to share what I can, uh, you know, give him the, the wisdom that I have, and then I get to share Christ with him. So I mean, it's a really for me. It, it's really the the time piece is. I don't know how how many hours a week I'd do it, but you know, at a, at a hundred, a hundred and fifty meetings an hour apiece, and you know, several of them a week, and. Um, it's just been a huge blessing for me cause I love doing it. Oh, so yeah. it's not a burden. It's, 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 it's kind of, that's, that's my stewardship of my time. And I think time is really one of your most valuable, you know, you know, things that you have, right? There's just, you can't get any more of it. You can't make more of it. Uh, so spending time with people, I think
0: is a great way to, to steward, you know, your life kind of in general. Yeah. Well, we thank you for doing that. Cause that's the reason we're sitting here today. Sure. But another thing with time is, is the work versus family balance. Like if you're working a lot or you're not spending as much time with your family how throughout growing a business do you balance spending time with your family spending time at the office how do you do that well yeah it's really
1: hard and, and you know I have the luxury of hindsight because mm-hmm. you know my daughters are now 30 and 27 and I've got three grandkids and so I get to talk to my my son-in-laws a lot about that as well and mm-hmm. and a bunch of young guys who are newly married or have new ki- you know you know new, new babies at home and you know the, the reality is I think when, when you're when you're first starting out you work really really hard right and right. really really hard means long hours when you have a wife, then what happens is you got to learn to work smarter. When you have a kid, you need to learn learn to work even smarter still. Mm -hmm. And by that, what I mean is is if you're in the office, you're not doing your fantasy football, you're not doing your Instagram, you're not doing Twitter, all those kind of things. Like when you're working work and when you're done working, don't work anymore. And that's the hard part with this whole social media thing is that it's hard to come home and put that phone down and then be present for your wife and your kids. And, you know, as men, we want to be conquerors, right? We want to run up to the top of the hill, beat our chest and say, hey, look at me. And then what we do is we say, oh, and I'm really doing it for my family. And the reality is that's just not true. I mean, that, that's that's not the case. We're doing it for our own egos. So what my, what I try to talk to young guys about is, you know, work really hard when you're working but when you're not working, you know, be be present. And again, i I have to say that to myself every day in the mirror, right? Because yeah. I'm the I'm the same guy that carries a cell phone around as well, and it it's chasing me around like it chases everybody else around. But but if I could do it over again, what I would I would uh, I would spend more time with my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I tell young guys all the time: if you spend 24 hours a day with your children, it's not enough. Um, So spend all the time you can. And when you're there, be really present. Right. So I mean, I I hate going to a restaurant and seeing a mom and a dad and two kids and the two kids have an iPad in front of them. And the mom and dad are both on their cell phones. I mean, it's it's uh, it's really sad that uh, a lot of young people, they really don't know how to communicate. I mean, I tell my kids all the time, don't text me, call me. Mm -hmm. right? I don't want to hear your voice. Uh, or come see me. Right. Um, but you know, today's in today's world, it's all about text messages and Instagram and Snapchat and Twitter and all right. the other things that, um, Facebook, I don't even have a Facebook account I mean, right. and, and I don't and I want one. Um, but, um, I think that's probably what I would say is you, you got to learn to work, you know, instead of harder, you got to work smarter. Right. And that means you got to cut out a lot of stuff, uh, that's really not important for your, when you're at work,
0: work. Mm-hmm. And when you're not at work, don't work. Right. I think there's a lot of value in finding how to fill dead space. So say we're standing in line or something is valued dead space where I would naturally pull out my phone. So for you, what does it look like to fill that time with something, say, productive or something where you can talk to people? Yeah, I mean, I think... You know, look, hey, I'm
1: I'm am going to say something, and then you'll see me in the grocery store right. line, like, Hey, you got your phone out? What are you no, looking at? <laughs> right. So, I mean, that, I think that's I think all of us have that deal. But I think it's really it's it's talking to people. Mm-hmm. I heard uh, Adam Torno at Watermark uh, at a sermon recently. He talked about well, what if you took that time where you're picking your phone up at the stoplight or at the grocery store, and you said, hey, you started doing mem-, you know scripture memory. Yeah. So I've started to do that a little bit. I'm not that's as awesome. good as it I want to be. But that's something I really want to work on because I find myself when I'm driving my car off the stoplights longer than about 10 seconds, I got to look at my phone and check right. it, that, that email that it, you know I'm waiting for or, or the email that came in. Who is it from? So. Um, I think I got a lot of work to do on that, and I, I think really too. we we all do, right? I mean, so we got to figure out a way. How can we put that phone up and be more relational? I mean, I, I, the world is run not by phones, but it's run by relationships, right? And the only mm-hmm. way you have a relationship is you have to talk to people, right? And you have to be present with them, and it's just really like your relationship with Christ, right? If you're not talking to Him several times a day, your relationship isn't going to be as deep as it would if you're talking to Him all the time. And I think people are the same way. People want to be talked to; they want to be looked at in the eye, and and you know you talk to, you see a homeless guy in the street corner that's asking for money. I mean, I love, I mean, I'll give him money every now and then. I know that's probably not productive sometimes, right. but I love saying, what's your name? You know, where mm-hmm. are you from? Do you have any kids? You know, you know, where's your wife? I mean, it, these people want to be recognized as people, mm-hmm. not just, hey, there's a guy on the on the uh, street corner that's asking for money, but hey, this is right. a person here. So let's get a little personal with him. And uh, I, I think we can all do a much better job at that because these are people and God
0: loves them just as much as he loves us. Yeah, and that's a great segue into the last point of stewardship is is how does a leader effectively steward people? Whether yeah. you're in leadership or whether you're just being relational in, in yeah. the line of a grocery store, how do we get people to move from one from point A to point B, or even just have a relationship with them? Yeah. Well, again, I think it's kind of like we've touched on before, right? It's really you got to talk
1: to people, mm-hmm. uh, you got to go out of your way to, uh, you know, shake hands and say hello and meet new people and. Um, just, just be present with people. And for me, the way I do that is I have these meetings with these young guys, right? So young guys and girls that come in and I get an opportunity to, you know, love on them a little bit and hopefully provide a little bit of wisdom for them from a business perspective. But more importantly, I get a chance to really kind of share Christ with them, give them a book and say, Hey guys, welcome to call me back anytime you want to. I'll meet with anybody anytime. And, um, just, just try to do that. I mean, so, I mean, it's, it's, um, with, with people, you just got to love on people, right? Todd always says, hey, you, gotta ha- you can't have truth without love and you can't have love without truth. And I really believe that, right? So you, you have to speak truth to people sometimes even when it's painful. But if they know that you love them and you're speaking truth to them, it's a whole different conversation. Um, so I think that and just, you know, a lot of the, the, the lessons we learned kind of. You know, every day. Right. I mean, people just want to be acknowledged and want right. to say, hey, you know, you look them in the eye, shake their hand, you know, give them a hug, whatever, whatever you think they may need. It's just kind of paying attention to people and being present and,
0: uh, you know, creating those relationships. Right. And we talk about that a lot, too, of just the value of, of knowing someone's name or just getting to know someone, shaking their hand. So you kind of speak into that, the value of knowing someone rather than just walking by them and, and surface level Acknowledging them.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think you know the reality is. I think with with all the social media now and Facebook, and you've got all these friends, and you get all these likes right. on Instagram. I mean, the reality is, my guess is that. Yeah, I don't know what the number is. There's some percentage of those friends you have on Facebook that really aren't your friends, right? They happen to you. You've seen their picture, they've seen yours, and you say, well, "Gosh, we're friends now." Right. Or on Instagram, you get a like or don't get a like, and so I mean, it's just it's got to be a much deeper level, right? So it's really taking the time to get to know somebody. So when I sit down with really almost anybody, irrespective of what the meeting is, whether it's a young guy, an old guy, a business meeting, a social meeting, I want to I want to ask people about them. You know, like I did with you guys right. today. Where are you from? You know, what are you majoring in? Why, you, why did you do that and not something else? Did you play basketball, football, whatever? And I had a great conversation with a guy I met with this morning. You know, we spent the first 15 minutes of our meeting just talking about it. He was telling me about his family, and he gave me the opportunity to tell me uh, me to tell him about mine. And I just think that, that people people are so transactional now, so it's all about, hey, I'm going to do a quick quick test ma- text message, I'm going to get it back. And then as opposed to, hey, I'm going to spend some time and get to know this person before mm-hmm. I say, hey, let's, let's go do business together, right? And, 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 and I think that's a common flaw with, with all this social media stuff that's flying around, that it's, just, it's very transactional. It's boom, boom, and there's no relationship there. And that's why I really try to make it a point when I meet with anybody is I want to learn about you guys. Right. And then we can talk about me if you want to, but I'd much rather learn about you, get to know you guys. So if I see you again at church or wherever I might see you, we can have this rapport. We say, oh, yeah, I remember. You're right. going to have to remind me you know, where you're from yeah, and all that yeah. stuff. But you know, we've, ha- we've had that relationship, and, and you can't have a relationship unless you take the time to get to know somebody and um, I think that's just a really, really important thing is you get to know people before you try to have a uh, some sort of transactional relationship with them.
0: Right, that's good. Well, Chuck, as we land the plane, I want to just give you the mic, and what piece of advice would you go back if you had the chance to give your 20-year-old self? You look at 20-year-old Chuck in the in the face. What are you telling that guy, or what are you telling us as we're looking forward to yeah. either leaving college or, yeah. or heading into leadership? Got it. No, it's a— that's a great question. I've often I, I think about that a lot because when I was 20
1: years old, I didn't I didn't know Jesus, and I wish my 20 year old self would would have listened to some of the guys that were trying to speak into me from a faith perspective. Uh, I wish there were guys, you know, like me that would have met with me and you know given me the, the the wisdom that they had, but also said, hey, you know, where are you from a spiritual standpoint? You know, what do you believe in? Why do you believe that? What what rock do you stand on? Um, so. That, that would be the biggest thing I'd want someone to tell me is really just tell me about Jesus, man, mm-hmm. and point me in the right direction. I, I, was a, uh, I wasn't I a bad kid. I think most right. people would have said, oh, he's a great guy, all that kind of stuff. But I, I wasn't, from a, a, a spiritual standpoint, a... Um, uh, purity standpoint. I just, I just wasn't, wasn't the person I'd want to be. Now, let's put it this way. If I would have showed up at, at my door, uh, trying to take one of my daughters out, I would have slam the door in my face and said, <laughs> get out of here. Right. Yeah. So, um, I think my, you know, if, if I could talk to my 20 year old self and said, Hey dude, you need to figure this thing out. You need to figure out who this Jesus guy is and then you need to follow him. Yeah. Uh, and then for guys that, 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 know Christ, I think, look, man, we we have, We've all got to realize that we are pastors, right? We we want to uh, we want to pretend like, hey, the guy that's the guy that's up on Sunday. I don't have to do all that stuff. So I'm I'm kind of a Christian on Sunday, Monday through Saturday. I'm kind of doing my own thing, trying to be a good guy. And uh, what I would say is, you need to figure out a way. How do you follow him every day? And we're all going to screw up. I, I'm a major screw up. I mean, you know, the chief of all sinners, right? As Paul right. said, and um, I consider myself the, the same same way. But but. You know, how do we go our, about our day having Jesus at the forefront of our mind, having opportunities to talk to people about Christ? People that we know, I mean they're they're I'm sure there's friends that we all have that we know don't know Christ and we haven't shared Jesus with them. And right. and oh my gosh, I mean, I mean, God may have been I may be the guy that he ordained to say you need to talk to this guy about Christ, and I didn't do it. So as as a as a guy who's fifty nine years old, I tell the twenty year old you guys say, Hey man, create relationships with people, walk with integrity, have high morals, and then you got to tell them about Christ because you have this relationship. You you may be the guy. And I may be the person. So um, d- don't miss an opportunity to step up to the bat and to, you know take a swing at the pitch. I mean, don't let three strikes go by. Right. And you know, just get after it.
0: Well, wow, that's huge. Chuck, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom. And I know I learned a lot. I hope it's a blessing to someone. We really appreciate what you're doing. Great.
1: Thank you guys for what you're doing. I appreciate all you're doing for the kingdom. Thank you so